listening to the Taming Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. She said, can you come in at one o'clock today? I'm like, uh, no. Okay, tomorrow, she said, 2.30. I'm like, okay. And then when she told me where it was, I'm like, I have no idea where that is. And yeah. I looked at Google Maps. I'm like, oh, I'm almost at Sue's place. <laughs> <laughs> I should have come by. I'd made you a brew. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. The city is sprawling. Oh, it really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop building more communities. We have enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about this the other night. Who the hell's buying these places? I know Canadians like to move every five years or something, but... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, we don't usually stay in one place for too long, do we? Yeah, yeah, no, need to decorate, so it's probably time to move. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. What? <laughs> yeah, let's build a new house. Just paint the house. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, I got to explore a little bit, and I didn't get too lost like I did when I went to the hospital down there the one time. I made a wrong mm-hmm. turn, and I ended up in some community. And you know, once you get into these communities, you can't get out. It's like being in a maze. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, oh, park on the east side of the building. And I'm like, I've gone around six roundabouts. How do I? I don't even know what direction I'm standing <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, which way's east? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, goodness. But I survived. So anyway, let's just dive right in. Uh Yeah. Welcome to the Tame and Crazy podcast. I'm Alicia and I'm joined as usual by Deb and Sue. Hello, Deb and Sue. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. (laughs) How are you guys doing tonight? It's Thursday. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's March. Yay. 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 It's sunny and warm. Yay. Yay. (laughs) The snow's melting. Yay. (laughs) Yes, it was a beautiful day today, actually. Yeah. Uh Hopefully you got out and saw a little bit of it. I saw it from my car as I was driving (laughs) to the outskirts of the city. But (laughs) other than that, it's um, a really nice day. Mm -hmm. So any news to share this week? Mm. No. No. We, lo- we live such interesting lives now, right now, don't we? <laughs> I know, it's like I, I call my parents at the weekend. It's like, oh, well, we've got no news. All right, then, bye. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, when I call my parents every week and I'm thinking just before I call, okay, what can I share with them? And I'm usually asking my husband, did we do anything? Has something happened? Uh-huh. No, and it's getting a little tough because we're talking about the same thing all the time now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is where being British really helps because you can just talk about the weather for an hour. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the weather, exactly. But Canadians are a little bit like that too, I think. Yeah, they are actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk about something else today. Uh-huh. So I'm sure you've noticed that there seems to be an awful lot of posts, articles, and news shows talking about loneliness right now, and. We've talked a little bit about loneliness before. I think it was during our episode on finding meaningful friendships, I think. Uh But this is a little bit different because apparently this pandemic has turned loneliness into an epidemic. What they're finding is human connection is so important. It's something we crave, even though we're not really aware of it. 
And I think before the pandemic, the focus was more on how loneliness affected our seniors. But now researchers and psychiatrists are finding that loneliness is impacting all ages because, you know, many people are not working in an office environment anymore. They may be living alone and working from home. So there's no real face-to-face connection except over Zoom calls. And that's Mm -hmm. really not the same, right? People don't generally open up on an emotional level Mm -hmm. when we're staring at ourselves on a Zoom call, (laughs) you know, because it's very distracting. So, Uh you know, we're not picking up people's emotions that way. And the same thing is happening with high school and college students, apparently. They no longer have the ability to make new friends or even maintain their friendships the same way because you know they can't hang out like they used to and that's what teenagers and college students and when you're young that's what you do you hang out together and I think the feeling of belonging is eroding and that is something that I find really sad Mm -hmm. I think it's fine when we're looking at days or even weeks but when it drags on for months and months and months you know, the sense of loneliness can really affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to, to think about as well, that you can be alone and not lonely, but you can be in a room full of people, obviously pre-COVID, and be incredibly lonely. Yeah. So, you know, alone and lonely, although I think, you know, quite often we think they are the same thing, they are actually completely different. Absolutely. And I was reading that Recent research is now showing that ages 18 to 23 are the loneliest people in America, which is really difficult to imagine. But if you look at how we generally interact with each other, it's usually, you know, in school or, you know, we get together, we, you hang out with your school friends after school, and none of that is happening right now. So mm-hmm. they're finding that it's really impacting the mental health of the 18 to 23 age group, which I thought was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, actually, because like, you know, as we do before we kind of jump into these uh, discussions, you know, we, we do do some looking at things and kind of on the one one of the sites that I've looked at, they actually talk about starting at university as being a really key time for when that loneliness kicks in, because, you know, typically you are surrounded by lots of new people you it takes time to make friends you've left those relationships and you know kind of thinking about that age group as well 18 to 23 that is the key time to be in university so that is exactly that university period of life for a lot of people right and and if they're starting university i imagine it's all virtual right now I'm assuming uh-huh. in, in mm-hmm. most places. So you don't have the opportunity to actually meet anybody. Uh-huh. You know, so I imagine it's a very lonely feeling when you're starting something as huge as university, which is a completely new experience. Uh-huh. And you just don't have that connection with anybody. Uh-huh. And it's all, you know, university for me was all about those relationships and making new friendships and, you know, trying new things together and so you know I I do remember times when I was lonely but for the most part I was okay Mm -hmm. 
but it is one of those things that kind of comes upon you like all of a sudden sometimes like you're kind of thinking well what what is going on like why do I feel like this and then you you sort of realize that it you you do feel lonely and you know you, you miss like I think I read one description that said you know loneliness is about when you are not getting what you need from the relationships around you and I was thinking yeah maybe that's kind of what I was feeling I needed something but I didn't necessarily know what I needed or how to articulate what I needed or how to get what I needed and those maybe were the times when I felt a bit lonely or a lot Mm -hmm. lonely and loneliness is really strange because it's something we're actually afraid or ashamed to admit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think too many people will say, well, I'm, I'm lonely. You know, it's almost embarrassing, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Deb? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's exactly the same. I, you don't think about it when they're that age group and because they haven't come into um, that age where they know how, how to probably deal with it, finding ways to cope with it or actually naming that's what it is, loneliness. Mm-hmm. So I think it must be tough for them. The one thing that's happened during this pandemic is more and more people are opening up about it. You know, I have been seeing college students and university students on interviews saying that they're sharing their experience with feeling loneliness, you know, especially right now, because there's still so many unknowns out there. I mean, a lot of people don't even know if life will get back to what they want it to be like will university get Mm -hmm. back to like it used Mm -hmm. to be and I think there's so many unknowns out there Mm -hmm. it's a scary time Mm -hmm. and you know I think more people are willing now to say that maybe Mm -hmm. they are lonely and be able Mm -hmm. to show vulnerability because we know that vulnerability can be contagious. All it takes is one person to open up and say, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm lonely. And it almost gives other people mm-hmm. permission to open mm-hmm. up too. And I think one of the biggest things uh, about the pandemic is that isolation that so many people have experienced. So, you know, it, it's times like this when for all of their faults and all of the times that, that I really whinge about my family I'm very grateful that I have them because they are there we can still hug you know and have that human contact and have those conversations and cry in front of each other and what happens if you are on your own or you are a single parent or you are caring for an elderly parent or you've moved somewhere new just before it all kind of happened it's kind of isolation like we've we've never I guess really experienced being isolated like this before and we've certainly never talked about it before mm-hmm. we don't talk about it yesterday I saw an interview I can't remember who it was but he wrote the book every conversation counts and he said that social media can help with loneliness when used the right way And he says we should think about it like creation over consumption. So instead of constantly scrolling and consuming lots of social media, so you're kind of a wallflower, really, you're not really participating. And what he says when you don't participate is it gives you a feeling of inadequacy and further Mm -hmm. intensifies loneliness. So 
Instead, you should be interacting with posts that you enjoy or start conversations instead of standing on the sidelines, you know, ask meaningful questions so you connect on Mm -hmm. a deeper level. But in itself, that is so difficult to do. It's not easy. And I think you have to be very careful with that. Actually, before we started this, I was thinking, you know, when we chat every Thursday, that is actually satisfying my need for a conversation on a deeper level because you know I talk with my husband all the time and well I talk and talk and talk sometimes (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh it's Thursday good she's offloading on somebody else you know you know when we talk on every Thursday night it's not small talk it's Uh You know, it makes me have to think about things. And we talk about subjects that are really engaging and I find really interesting. And I always learn something new from the both of you. And I think Uh that is really filling a need for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to say when we started this and kind of, I know, like we've had this discussion between the three of us kind of offline, but I only thought we'd last about three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, eventually we're going to run out of things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it is that kind of connection and, you know, an opportunity to think about things perhaps in a way that I wouldn't have done beforehand. And kind of before we talk as well, I, I do, you know, especially when it's a topic like this, I kind of do a fair bit of reflection And then quite often after we've had a conversation like this, I kind of need to do more reflection because sometimes it brings things up and you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of unexpected. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was kind of surprised when we decided on this topic how uncomfortable it it is to remember those times when I felt really lonely. Yes. Yes. It is a strange feeling Uh to be lonely. And Mm -hmm. it's something you really don't say out loud. Uh And it does make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And if I think about it, I have been lonely, you know, in the past at various times in my life. Uh Did you ever tell anyone? Probably not. Uh You know, as you said, you it is a search for something different or something else that's missing. Uh My husband used years ago would have to go out of town to work. And, you know, sometimes it would be a couple of weeks and Uh you're super busy. I worked full time. I had two boys that were, you know, here, there, going everywhere. And and it was I was incredibly busy. But I think I was also lonely at those times Uh because, Uh you know, there was, you know, my husband was missing and it's not the same to chat on the phone. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking as well, I think. You know, I've I've probably opened up about feeling lonely maybe twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that I recall like kind of vividly. And one time was with a the therapist, so it was a very safe space and we were kind of able to explore it a little bit. Still desperately uncomfortable, but I did actually open up to a family member once about feeling lonely and was essentially told it was my own fault for um coming to Canada so oh yeah so it's like not helpful so Mm -hmm. you know after a while you kind of get careful about who you tell that you're feeling lonely because you don't want that experience again and you know I I can imagine 
well, I, I guess I can empathise a bit with, with the people that are feeling that way now. I mean, it's gone on for so long and it does feel as if, you know, with the vaccines, there's that glimmer of hope that things will return to some sort of normality. But what do you do in the meantime? If you're still feeling lonely, then knowing there's a vaccine coming is like, yay! But at the same time, <laughs> it doesn't help in the moment when you are feeling lonely and upset. And, you know, I mean, if you're feeling lonely, that can exacerbate everything else massively. Yeah. So if you're depressed or you've got anxiety or any other th mental health concerns, like it, that can really kind of make things worse. Yeah. One thing I was reading that's interesting is that loneliness actually isn't harmful in itself. It's how we react to the feeling of loneliness. And if you start thinking of why you're lonely and think that, well, maybe there's you know something wrong with you or you don't measure up and you know, you start looking at groups of people having fun and you're on the outside and you're not part of that. And that actually makes you feel even more lonely. And, mm -hmm. you know, it can lead to sadness and then that can lead to also to depression. So mm -hmm. it's the reaction to the loneliness that can be damaging. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, and thinking about it as well, I suppose there's the potential, you know, that you know, when you, you're really sunk deep into it, you kind of start thinking, well, I've brought this on my own and it is my fault and I should have done things differently. And, you know, all those coulda, woulda, shoulda starts and you start shudding all over yourself and, and that really isn't helpful. But um, I know equally it's not helpful for me to say that to somebody. You know, it's so what can we do? How, you know, what help is there out there? Like, what are the practical things that people can be doing to get through? And it's going to be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned when it comes to dealing with certain emotions, and the same can be said about loneliness, is that I can't always think my way out of my emotions. And I think loneliness is one of those things. You know, sometimes you have to physically react to them. Sitting in loneliness for me would not be good. You know, I would spiral down, I think, and I would have to physically do something like take a walk or do something creative or something like that. But, you know, we're all different on how we handle our emotions. But I think mm -hmm. for me, I can't think my way out of things. I have to do my way out of things. If that makes uh -huh. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, having said that as well, we understand that people may be, you know, isolated in their house, you know, particularly this time of year, you know, when the roads and the sidewalks and everything can be an absolute mess because of snow and ice. Yeah. You know, there is that kind of actual physical isolation that leads to the loneliness as well, because, you know, in, in COVID, we don't have people coming round the same way you know they're not just kind of popping in for a cup of tea and you know sort of even getting your groceries and things like that may be more of a struggle because I think for a lot of people you know those little bits of contact can be really important I get that like I said I went to my appointment today and you know you, you walk in happier because it's almost like oh people <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, how are you? How are you? And everybody seems to be a little more 
or maybe I'm just noticing more after our episode last week on, mm-hmm. you know, looking for the helpers. And, you know, I was in a healthcare situation again today, but I did notice that I was really going out of my way to smize <laughs> and greeting people just because it was my outing today. But I know a lot of people are housebound. So you're right, mm-hmm. Sue. I mean, a lot of people can't physically get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can yeah. read and you can write and you can paint and you know something. You got to do something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny actually. Sort of as you were saying that, I think one of the things that you know has kind of been a coping mechanism for me, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure it's 100 percent positive, really. It's kind of tapping into what little extroversion I have, and using that kind of when I'm out and about, and I'm you know happier to see people and more chatty and more smiley and like yes it's like oh god this is really exhausting (laughs) (laughs) so luckily it's only once in a blue moon that you have to go out and see people so now you can put all your power into being nice yeah it's like okay now now i'm home i can kind of just sleep or relax or do yoga or something yeah Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to want to go out and um, <laughs> be with people after this pandemic. I'm so used to <laughs> not being with people. It's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to yeah. work on your social skills again, Deb. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. If there's a market for, for social skills, now might be a good time to start up the classes online. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll sign up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was going down the loneliness rabbit hole, I came across the late Professor John Cassiopo, and he actually wrote the book called Loneliness. And he studied loneliness for over 20 years. And he said that there's a big difference between objective isolation and perceived isolation. And that's what started his studies in loneliness, because he said perception is what we believe to be true. And if we believe we're isolated and lonely, then we are. And he also says that loneliness can actually be contagious. And they showed this by studying people's connections every three to four years, because it's actually a process. It doesn't happen immediately. So how he described it is, he says, pretend you and I are neighbors. And for some reason, you've become lonely or you think that you're lonely. That loneliness will actually change how you connect with me because You're being cautious for fear that they might drive you away or, you know, maybe I'll sense that you're having a neediness. And if I recognize that you're being needy, that changes our interactions and they become less and less over those three to four years. And after that time period, we are more likely to stop being friends. Isn't that interesting? Because you sense the neediness in somebody because they're lonely and they're afraid you're going to leave as well. And we pick up on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure like his, his research is great. And I'm pretty sure that there's an argument against it. There's an argument against every study, I guess. Isn't exactly. So what kind of, as, as you were reading that, it made me think back to, to my nursing days um, approximately 3,000 years ago. and one of the things we learned very early on is pain is whatever the experiencing person says it is yes and that is something that has stayed with me 
and is deeply, deeply ingrained into my way of being. And I kind of think of, of loneliness as well. If somebody says they're lonely, then who the hell are you to say, no, you're not lonely. It's just your perception of it. Nobody can tell you what emotion you're feeling because mm-hmm. you're, you're the one feeling it. Mm-hmm. But I think what he was saying was the, the objective isolation is when we think somebody should be lonely because maybe they live alone. Maybe mm-hmm. they're living in a hut in the forest or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And we assume that they're lonely. But that's our objective isolation. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we think. But that's not what they perceive. They're probably mm-hmm. perfectly happy. Yeah. That same person could be in a crowded city full of or maybe in Disneyland and surrounded in in the happiest place on earth and be incredibly lonely. Uh Yeah. So I find it really interesting because he says that in order for relationships to work, it has to go both ways. And and I think that's definitely true because over the years there have been friendships that I didn't nurture. And, you know, they disappeared over time and other ones that I felt were one sided and I gradually quit contacting them. And I do regret those friendships that I've lost over the years. And I sometimes in times when I'm feeling maybe a little bit lonely, I do put that blame on myself and thought, Mm -hmm. well, I should have been a better friend or I should have joined in more and then I wouldn't have been lonely. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, you know, there's more than one person in a relationship. So, and it's kind of easy to say because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've been in the same situation. But I think also, you know, there are reasons why you don't make those connections with somebody and why, you know, that friendship just kind of disintegrates and disappears and, and that's the end of it. You know, even really long standing friendships. And it's usually because. I would imagine that you're not getting what you need from it. And, you know, you don't want to be in a a situation where something or somebody is better than nothing. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I mean, you know, as a temporary measure, who knows whether that's a a good thing. Friendships come and go, you know, depending on your situation, where Mm -hmm. you're living and what time of your life it is. Some friendships are exhausting, I find. And I feel sad saying that. And maybe a little bit selfish, to be honest. But at the same time, you've got to be. Yeah. You, you've got to look after yourself. And I know that there are some friendships that I've given up. And like afterwards, it's like, oh, what a relief. Yeah. And then, you know, because it's like that toxicity or whatever it was is, is no longer there. And at the same time, you know, there, there are people I could be in a room with them and a group of other people. And I did feel lonely. Like, because I didn't have that same connection with them. Whereas I know, like, I mean, I've, I've only actually, and this is probably kind of difficult for people to understand and wrap their heads around. I've only met Deb in person once. And Alicia, have we met three times in person? Yeah, I think it's three times. Yeah. And yet I have some of the deepest conversations with you than I've had with some people I've known for the past 10, 12 years. Like some people, I've never got past that surface <laughs> conversation with. See, and that's the thing. I think people connect best when they go deep. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to put some sort of X rating on this all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, that came out a little bit strange. But if you're comfortable having really deep conversations, and I think I can count on one hand how many people 
I'm comfortable with talking on a really deep level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's coworkers and there's family members, but you really only go a certain to a certain level. You know, you yeah, don't it, go it's below like that. this this is my comfort level and uh you're not going yeah. any deeper. Exactly. See now we're all going deep. <laughs> Dad, do you want to go deep? <laughs> oh my gosh. I might have to. <laughs> oh, Alicia's gonna have fun editing this one. Yeah, that's right. That's oh right. my goodness. Okay, let's go back to the topic. Okay. Okay. So Going back to this Professor John Cassiopo, one of his studies that I thought was extremely interesting was they looked at a group of U.S. soldiers who had returned home because they tend to be the most chronically lonely groups of people. And he looked at four major types of treating the loneliness because what they were studying is how can people stop being lonely? And he tried four major things. And the first thing he tried was social engagement. He put lonely people together, but that didn't work because loneliness isn't the same as being alone. Like you said earlier, Sue, just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely. Mm -hmm. So putting them together doesn't really solve anything. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he looked at the idea that lonely people had poor social skills because that's what they used to say. But that wasn't true at all, because everyone actually has fairly good social skills at first. It's just that loneliness over time forces our brain into self-preservation. And because that makes a person feel vulnerable, you stop being as social as you used to be, which I thought was really interesting. Third was social support. So he thought that perhaps lonely people could be cured by being surrounded by supportive people. But that also doesn't work because the connection isn't reciprocal. You know, it's Mm one-sided. And lastly, he looked at changing how lonely people think about other people. And he explained to them how their brain goes into this self-preservation mode when they perceive themselves to be lonely. And he then retrained them on how to start reading other people because chronically lonely people lose the ability to read other people's emotions because they're so focused on self-preservation. His studies are fascinating because loneliness can affect anyone at any time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Especially someone like me who spends a lot of time in their own head and have dealt with a lot of anxiety in the past. The way that I dealt with my anxiety is to get out of my own head. That really connected to me. Instead of focusing fully on myself and how I'm feeling is to put my focus on how are they feeling and connecting Mm -hmm. with them on that level. And then that changes how you interact with somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because... You know, I, I know sort of that was talking about chronic loneliness. Yes. For a lot of people, loneliness can be quite a, a transitional feeling and it's attached to something else that is happening in their life. So they have made a big move of some sort or maybe they've been bereaved or, you know, they single parents or somebody caring for somebody else, basically. Um, you know, all of those kind of big life-changing things 
kind of loneliness seems to be associated with that as well and you know it it's one of those things it's so very very unique to each person and a lot of it depends on the the supports that you have around you be that family or friends or supports from you know a therapist or, or things like that and yeah I, I think mm-hmm. I need to read some of this fella's stuff because I have questions <laughs> yeah he is talking about chronic loneliness mm-hmm. and what you were just describing to me seemed almost like I don't know if there's such a thing but situational loneliness mm-hmm. yeah I have an example and um, I at the time I didn't know but you know when I look back it's it's when I got divorced right mm-hmm. and there's that time period and now that I think back I think that was my loneliest time mm-hmm so it was after something like that. And um, yeah, it, it's yeah. very different, like you say, for everybody. Yeah, I, I think, you know, sort of, if it's like with, with anything that you are experiencing chronically, mm-hmm. the, the process to, to deal with that is going to be significantly longer and more in depth and, you know, going through lots of trial and error and trying lots of different things. Whereas when you know, it is more situational, it's transitional, it's attached to a life change, then you're not going to necessarily need to, to go into to that much depth necessarily. It could just be, you know, things start shift a little bit, situation feels like it's improving, you kind of reach out, you make that first friendship, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, even if it's online, that, you know, that still can't be underestimated or somebody offers that little bit of support or whatever that's going to make a difference and that may help to kind of lift some of the loneliness. You may still feel lonely, but it may not be as perhaps intense as it was. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. And I mean, he does say that chronic loneliness is harmful, but short-term loneliness can actually be quite helpful because it reminds us of our psychological need for social connection. Mm -hmm. and that can sometimes drive us to do something about it Mm -hmm. and it kind of it it really makes me think back to when I was doing my dissertation and the conversations I had with uh, predominantly women about how they felt about midlife and one of the things that they a lot of them felt was this loneliness because that they felt sort of isolated because they were going through something which, you know, there's a lot more discussion about it even than there was a few years ago when I was doing that. And kind of that need for community and like-minded people and having, you know, like we were talking about, having people that you can have those deep conversations with. And it kind of really sort of spoke to to that for me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because we can be surrounded by a lot of people, but not feel like we can be vulnerable with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the things that go go on in our brain well that's it when you think too long about anything you can come up with multiple hideous scenarios i've discovered oh hell yes we can think hard and think deep oh yeah that's what we do and the results are not necessarily going to be good (laughs) exactly it can lead to all sorts of trouble oh my goodness but you know talking about loneliness i think this pandemic has taken loneliness to a whole new level hasn't it Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. And just being able not to do your usual things as a family, you know, or home when you're with your young kids and you're stuck at home. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that is, you know, to to all the parents and, you know, grandparents and guardians that are, you know, homeschooling their little kids, really, really proud of you because it, it can really suck sometimes having little kids at home. And I say that as a mum who loves her kids very much, but it really can because it's yeah. relentless. And I can only imagine how difficult it is to be, you know, trying to do everything and homeschool them and potentially be working from home and keep your sanity. Yeah. My daughter, a number of times actually has said to me that she's she's so lonely, you know, and at first I'm like, well, I thought about it and I thought, well, how could you be? you got two kids, keeps you busy. You know, that was my first yeah. thought. And then I thought, my gosh, I, I get it. I understand, you know, her husband's working. She's at home with the kids. They, they can't go do anything and all the usual activities are now, you know, gone. Mm-hmm. So she's got a couple of friends that are in the exact same situation. And they are constantly FaceTiming each other. Mm-hmm. and I get I get it you know it's it's what they have to do and then having a baby born in a during a pandemic well anytime the baby sees anybody other than her parents she screams murder because she's who are these people <laughs> <laughs> there'll be stranger danger all the time <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I never realized that ex- until <laughs> Every time the baby will see my husband, she cries murder or goes to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's just not used to anybody but her mum, her dad and her brother. That's mm-hmm. it. Well, it's those little things that we don't think about, right? You know, we're all yeah. in different stages mm-hmm. of our life and we think about what affects us. But, you know, there's so many people struggling right now with, with loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see you. We do. Yeah. We do. Mm-hmm. We get it. And I think, you know, the usual suggestions on how to combat loneliness don't really work when we're under restrictions, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't gather in groups. So like even for your daughter, Deb, you know, she can't go to what are they mum and me groups or we can't even go to the library. I mean, that used to be my biggest thing when when the boys were young is Mm -hmm. join the library and we would be there all the time. And you can't even do that right now. No, and everything. I mean, it's and it's a year, so all those swim lessons and mm-hmm. soccer, yes. you know, came yes. to an end. And uh, yeah. And let's face it, we're not all cut out to be stay-at-home moms. And I'll put no, my hand no. up for that because Me I can't wait to get back to work. Me yeah. too. My kids were uh, in daycare very early because. Uh... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and get help like if you are really really struggling then please call one of the the mental health helplines and and just you know just have a conversation with somebody about how you're feeling and you know having that listening ear may just be really beneficial yeah that's a really good point sue because i think people don't associate loneliness with mental health Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally we have to make that connection because that's it is affecting our mental health 
So that's a really good point that, you know, if you are feeling lonely, that's where you need to go for your resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And sending virtual hugs. I know it doesn't replace actual, you know, physical touch, but, you know, know that the majority of us really care about other people and hope that you are doing whatever you can do to, to be OK and feel a little bit less lonely. Mm-hmm. And realizing that everybody's doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hang in there. Things are improving and hopefully soon this will be just something we endured. So until then, stay safe, stay sane, and until next time, bye for now. Bye. Bye. I quite enjoyed that. Good. Because <laughs> we went deep, Sue. We went deep. Deep. Yeah. Very deep. <laughs> <laughs>